0: Princess Liriano He has decisions in all appearances except for the one where he lasted a third of an inning and gave up five runs.
1: You heard that perfectly, right? No
2: problem. As long as I don't, I don't. As long as I don't have to understand him, I'm good. But <laughs> yeah. I did like hear him.
0: It's all about those padded video game stats. <laughs> I'm.
1: Doing, man. And welcome to Artificial Turf Wars episode number 54, where we would also use Kevin Pilar's bat if called upon to pinch hit. I am your host, Greg Wisniewski, and I am joined tonight by Josh Housem. How you doing, Josh?
0: Not too bad, not too bad. You?
1: Uh, I'm doing well because we can talk about more than one win this week. <laughs> uh we will get into the actual winning of games uh talk about Kevin Pilar and Justin Smoke somehow being the driving force of this offense uh Robert Roberto Osuna not having the best week of his life and and then of course we still do have some of those original starting pitchers left we'll talk about how they did this week and then there have been three as I count them kind of unusual interesting slash crazy plays that are worth a few few seconds of chit chat by themselves so we start with the Jays having... got Oh, and then after that, I apologize. We're going to play Swing and a Drive with a special guest. Uh, we are going to take your questions and uh, hand out a gold star. So the Jays have gone from abysmal to uh, middling, which I guess is a really <laughs> good thing at this point.
0: To truly mediocre. <laughs> uh,
1: literally, as, as we had just discussed, you and I, before coming on, they are four wins and four losses since our last podcast and you you can't get any more mediocre than 4 and 4.
0: Nope. <laughs> Sorry about that. No problem.
1: Happens to the best of us. Uh yeah. So the the Blue Jays uh split a series in Anaheim. They lost the the last game in Boston which happened after we recorded or against Boston, not in Boston after we recorded. Uh and the then first, they, game. so the first game in Boston, against Boston, and somehow uh they won and put two extra inning games on the road, yeah, that's the for me that's the only thing that wasn't mediocre. I always think when a team goes in extra innings on the road mentally, I'm like, okay, you've lost this, game it's just how many innings it will take and no, that's not true. that's just sort of my mental block. I hate extra inning games on the road,
0: well, I mean, the Jays did lose the first two of them they they played this season. And then they lost their first game at home. But that's because all they did was lose at the beginning of the season.
1: (laughs) Yeah, it's hard to pick those out of the just wall of losses uh, that came crashing down upon us as the season started. Uh, So some of this success has been due to Kevin Pilar. How's Kevin Pilar
0: done this? Well, this is not something I think any of us would have... Well, I should say well, it's our guest other. later on, maybe, yeah. but <laughs> you know, it's he he said he was going to work hard on this. You know, he just decided not to swing a pitch out of the zone anymore. And we're all like, okay, well, let's see how he does it in the regular season. Well, we're 20 games in. He's hitting two ninety six with a three thirty seven on base and a four ninety four slugging. And he has three walks, which is for him high, but he's all the difference is he's not chasing pitches out of the zone kind of helps.
1: <laughs> yeah, and a lot of people were critical of him because he did not walk and he walked once like in the first game of the season, I think. Yeah, second at bat. Second at bat and then he didn't walk for like 2 weeks. But he never talked about walking specifically when he was talking about that approach to be fair to Mr. pilar He said what you said, I'm not going to chase pitches out of the zone. So, um I think I think of it more as a I'm not going to strike out so much and my contact is going to be better contact. And if you take it in that yeah. context, he seems to be doing exactly that.
0: Yeah, I mean, this, you can't complain with three home runs, a triple, five doubles. I mean, that's pretty good.
1: <laughs> yeah, um and at, at some point I'm it, it, you know, after the first of the month so we have a whole month's sort of numbers to look at. I'm I'm planning on going back to some of the new Statcast stuff which will tell us with a little more precision apparently just how hard is he hitting the ball previ- you know compared to how how he previously hit the ball but there's really not any point in doing it until you've got a certain number of plate appearances under under the belt because it, it could be could be a habit that he gets back out of we're not sure so far so good also so far so good for Justin Smoke who was much maligned by us over the course of the offseason uh and <laughs> playing every day certainly seems to have helped Mr. Smoke if if that we could assign a, a cause to it
0: yeah i mean he started off and we we're like oh god smoke get him out of the lineup you know because his first was it nine games he was getting 208 with a 240 on base 292 slugging it's like exactly what we feared well actually probably even worse than we feared and then you know since then he's been they kind of hit that they hoped. I mean, obviously these are really, really cherry-picked samples, but <laughs> you know, over the last eleven games, hitting 306 with a 359 on base and a six sixty seven slugging, which gives him a 313 on base and 517 on slugging on the year. But you know, he's hitting well for both sides of the plate. He's hitting for power, and and that's been always the thing. Is he's had these struggles getting to his power. But he's been hitting the ball, well, he even has a triple.
1: Yeah. I got to look at the replay on that one to see where he actually hit that ball too. <laughs> not a hundred percent sure that was your traditional triple, but maybe I, that's just getting stuck in my head. Um, Cause I've seen him run and it, it does not strike me that that the actual running speed was helping him get the triple. Um, yeah. So, I mean, we had talked about 2015, Justin smoke was not the end of the world. And at, at the moment, I believe he's even better than, you know, the last couple of weeks have been better than 2015 Justin Justin smoke, which will, I mean, he's going to go up and down. Don't think we expect him to slug 600 for the rest of the year.
0: <laughs> no, but I mean, it, it's nice to see that at least something in the faith has been rewarded. I mean, he still struck out 14 times, but 14 times in 64 plate appearances. It's a lot, but it's not egregious, which is what we had come to expect from Justin smoke.
1: The Blue Jays, in, as a team against Chris Sale, I'd just like to bring this up. Did they not strike out in 50% of their plate appearances against Sale?
0: Uh, it sounds accurate. That
1: is ridiculous.
0: <laughs> it's just, there's
1: no... I don't have any other word I need to add to that. Ridiculous. You should not... I, I, don't, I don't understand how baseball's going in this direction continuously, but obviously it is, and it's a really weird direction for it to go in his contact yeah. is not important
0: yeah and by the way just what was before we leave justin smoke one of the interesting things about his success steve pierce has sat for three straight games because zeke is ezekiel career is also hitting 306 oh man and steve pierce is not
1: yeah steve pierce did not come as advertised so far so far you never know but yeah he's had a there are some people who uh, are not well-versed at all with Steve Pearce's history, which I understand because he's been a part-time player, and as we know, he has never played a, a full season, you know, in the bigs where he wasn't injured. So he's not the kind of guy who shows up on any leaderboards because after 80 games, you can, you can have a great batting average and great slugging percentage, but you don't, you don't ever show up because you can't accumulate any totals. Um, so people who don't know him... Are like, oh my God, Steve Pierce is up again. And had you only seen Blue Jays Steve Pierce, I would be with you 100%.
0: Yeah. He's an OPS plus of seven.
1: <sighs> well, he didn't break the metric. That's good.
0: Well, yeah. It's funny. Um, among Blue Jays, that puts him third worst. <laughs> uh... <laughs> you know, Travis I found... is at three now. He's in the positives at least. Yay. And Jared Saltanamakia is at minus 74. Can we
1: talk about Jared Saltalamacchia for a minute? <laughs> Go for it. How many? How many days? Okay, first of all, I got to talk about Russell Martin at third base, which is not one of the weird plays which we had on our list. Russell Martin at third base is apparently so you can keep Russell Martin's bat in a lineup because he's hot which sounds good on the face of it, but then you realize the actual cost of that is putting Jared Salt bat in the lineup over Chris Coghlan's.
0: What? Oh, I, think, I think that partially it was so they could just get, let, let Martin not be crouching behind the plate for the entire game, but holy crap has Salt been <laughs> bad.
1: He struck out 10 times in a row, the Blue Jays' record.
0: 64% of his plate appearances overall, which is Byron Buxton territory, which we discussed last time.
1: 64%. Uh, I would think that if you had struck out eight or nine times in a row, that the next plate appearance, your entire being, would be devoted to simply not striking out. <laughs> to, just to avoid the, is it ignominy of, <laughs> of the showing up? ignomy of showing up on this list of people who could not stop swinging at nothing wow yeah uncle salty uh so how do do you but the blue jays have no other option right they they traded juan Graterol, who was their maybe option to mm-hmm. the angels they dfa'd aj uh, jimenez 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 uh They DFA'd him before the season started. So who's the Blue Jays' third catcher?
0: Luke Bailey, who they picked up from the Rays.
1: Is he excellent?
0: (laughs) Well, I mean, he's not 14 strikeouts and 22 play appearances.
1: Also, uh, it would probably help if uh, Salta Lamacchia was a somewhere superlative defensive catcher, but he's not a great catch-and-throw guy, and he doesn't appear to be a great framer. He needs no. to hit something.
0: Yeah. I mean, his calling card has always been power. And, well, you got to hit the ball to generate
1: <laughs> power. You're right down into it. All right. Mm-hmm. That was a little tangent on Salt LaMachia. Also, I think getting Russell Martin's bat into the lineup for one extra day so he can twist his ankle at third base because he's not used to it is, is not where I want Russell Martin when you have. Coglin, Barney, Goins, and Travis as infielders on this roster, and many many ways to deploy them. Yeah, I'm not a fan of that decision.
0: Anyway, <laughs> fair enough. Uh,
1: you want to tell me about what we're supposed to do about Roberto Osuna and his inability to have a nice one two three inning save,
0: or just not give up a run?
1: Well, yeah, that'd work too.
0: He's given up runs in three of his five outings. He's given up base runners in all of them. Uh, it's hard to say. I mean, there's some weird things going on with Osuna. His velocity is down by over a mile per hour, and he's completely altered his pitch mix. He was, I mean, Roberto Osuna has always been heavy four seam fastballs, and then he mixes in like a decent slider as a second pitch, and then he throws some change ups, and then mixes in cutters this year, the pitch he's throwing the most often is a sinker. A two-seam fastball. And I don't really understand why. It's averaging 94.97 miles per hour, whereas his four-seam fastball usually averages 96.6.
1: And it's not working.
0: No. <laughs> the 32.5% sinkers, 25% cutters, and then 27.5% four-seamers. It's really strange.
1: So... We know he had a neck problem in spring training. We think he's over that. Um, we also know that he had his he had his first Tommy John surgery, and his only one so far, but some guys have more than one. His first Tommy John surgery when he was in the minor leagues the first year after um, his debut. So we haven't heard anything else. So I don't know if we can no. make any conclusions at this point
0: yeah and and here here's the big one, though, so I talked about his average velocity I, that's what I was using for average velocity he was down about a mile per hour. His peak velocity is down three to four miles per hour,
1: so he cannot chuck it up there when he needs to amp it up,
0: yeah, his ability yeah, that exactly. His ability to reach back and get that you know ninety eight to a hundred mile an hour fastball to blow a guy away. He doesn't have that right now. and you know with relievers and his workload was you know, enormous
3: mm-hmm.
0: we talked about this a couple podcasts yep. ago mike's on and his fatigue units and all that osuna was near the top of the list so you know there could be some issues and some fallback this year that might not actually correct itself
1: so i guess the only that i mean you do have some apparently decent arms out there in the bullpen if Osuna is struggling. The question is, how much do you let him struggle before you ease up on his workload or or change his role? I guess is the difficult decision to make.
0: Yeah, and I I think there has to be some actual discussion too about this pitch mix. I mean, I'm assuming they're doing it because of the lost velocity. But when a guy's been so successful doing it one way, I don't really get doing it the other way until he starts getting hit that way.
1: Maybe it hurts when you do it the other way.
0: (laughs) Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I actually really noticed this during the that first Red Sox game when when he uh, they was zero zero. That Chris Sale game, it was zero zero when he came in, and he gave up a run, and then the Jays tied it at the bottom, and then they lost in the extra innings. But he was getting guys with two strikes and throwing sinkers like high. They're not really sinkers; they're just two seam fastballs, but high two seam fastballs for strikes to try to get strikeouts. But that's not a strikeout pitch.
1: No. People foul that pitch off because it's not sinking out of the zone, right?
0: Right, exactly. And then, and sometimes they'll just drive it the other way for a hit because it's coming back towards their bat.
1: And you would, say so, yeah, why why would Martin call for that pitch? There's got, yeah, be something I don't know.
0: He's not it's very a, confusing. Yeah, he's not a dumb guy. Uh... No, very much not. <laughs> so I, I I would actually be very curious to get an answer as to why they're throwing that way
1: so let's talk now about starting pitching because the guys who are left in the rotation which is to say Stroman and Liriano and my name
0: Marco Estrada (laughs) 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 Uh,
1: have really been continuing to be quite I think steady is is a Underestimation of what they've been. There have been moments where they've been straight up lights out.
0: Yeah, I mean, so Strowman. So we going back to the since we've recorded this, he got he beat up by Boston, six runs, four and a two third, eleven innings, eleven hits. But otherwise, he's thrown two complete games in which he's given up one run, or one earned run and two earned runs, and then he gave up one earned run in his other start. So he's been excellent. Yeah. And Marco Estrada has been excellenter.
1: I don't know. <laughs> no complete games from Marco.
0: No, but he in his last three starts, he has given up zero, zero, and two runs.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: So, and it, go sorry, ahead. go ahead. No, no. He has no decisions in those three starts.
1: <laughs> yeah, just because you're good doesn't mean they like you.
0: <laughs> yeah. He's, a, he's <laughs> 0-1 on the season. <laughs>
1: It doesn't even make sense, but uh, we don't worry about wins around here at BP, uh, BP Toronto, so we're good.
0: And, and then there's the funny one. Speaking of the decisions, we don't worry about <laughs> with Francisco Liriano. He has decisions in all appearances except for the one where he lasted a third of inning and gave up five runs. <laughs>
1: doesn't make any sense. No, it doesn't make any sense either. Uh, uh, yeah, team bailed you out of your worst outing of the season, which he's not even. His come- only- yeah, there's been nothing like that since then.
0: No, he's given up two runs, zero runs, and two runs. He has been, like Estrada and like Strowman, really, really good.
1: And that's pretty much the only reason that this team is, is 500 since we last you know, talked, is, is these guys are putting up enough innings to keep the, the team in the game, because certainly the team is not scoring enough runs to to embarrass any other pitching staff for the most part.
0: No. I mean, they're really not and like it's not actually we should say it's not just the starting pitching you touched on the relievers but you know joe smith dominic leone joe biagini up until his last outing but they've been really really excellent
1: mm-hmm. yeah i'm not really worried when he has to go to the bullpen uh other than osuna obviously who has been having all kinds of those issues but there's a I figure that we can get a couple couple of shutout innings out of the bullpen somehow, some way. Which mm-hmm. early last year that was not the case. <laughs>
0: <laughs> last year it was like in anybody other than Osina getting out.
1: Yeah, pretty much. So I yeah, I mean Jason Grilly has been a problem. Um but I can see that uh Gibbons has kind of eased off on Grilly's usage now that he seems susceptible to all of the worst things that can happen to Jason Grilly and that he knows he's got Smith and be a genie
0: um and and leon i, th- I think we yeah. should include him in this list now people sort of probably think of him as just a fluky you know upstart now he's not going to do anything he's 25 and when he was 22 he put up a season of 66 innings with a 2.17 era and 70 strikeouts so it's not like this is a guy who's never had success in the big leagues
1: it just hasn't been consistent
0: obviously. yeah i mean he was 22 right and in age 23 and 24 seasons he was no good and you know, but it's there. Like he has had the ability and shown the ability to get big leaguers out. All right.
1: So that moves us on. Sorry, back to the starting rotation before we leave that completely. On the two guys who are not in the starting rotation, because I'm not even going to talk about Matt Latos because <laughs> <laughs> I don't want to. <laughs> uh, and whoever it is who they get to do the next spot start for the it's fifth still line. Casey Lawrence. Oh God. Yeah, yeah, we're not going to talk about those guys. All right, what's happening with Hap?
0: So Hap was supposed to throw on the side and potentially come back. So just one start for Latos or Lawrence. But he had a little bit of soreness. So they're saying it's not long yet, and he's already started to throw again. But it's not as optimistic as it looked.
1: And then Aaron Sanchez had one of the most painful-sounding things done that doesn't count as actual surgery.
0: Yeah, removing <laughs> part of his fingernail.
1: Oh! <laughs> Don't want to hear that. Oh, I need all my fingernail. Thank you. Uh, but an attempt to avoid forming a new blister, and he seems, I guess, happy with, so far, the results of that.
0: Yeah, he's 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 throwing, and I expect he's going to make... Not this next start, which is the you know in the double header with. Yeah. By the way, the double header with St. Louis is going to be Latos and Lawrence on the same day. <laughs> they say <laughs> it's so tough to that- win
1: both ends of a double header, but that really doesn't that doesn't even cover that.
0: <laughs> 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 but he, I would expect that Sanchez will make his next start after that.
1: Fingers crossed. Fingernails or no, still crossed. Good one. All right, there were three weird plays slash rule interpretations that went on this week so we should talk about all three of them the first one is strowman and the quick pitch that was well okay was it a quick pitch to you
0: well to me if a batter's in the box and he's you know standing there you should be allowed to throw the pitch but that's not how it's ever been interpreted so yes it was a quick pitch
1: yeah, because the unfortunate, in, in my estimation, the unfortunate sentence in the rule is in the umpire's judgment. So basically, I think in some cases, if the umpire isn't looking up, it doesn't matter whether the batter's not ready or not. If the umpire doesn't feel like he's ready for the pitch to be delivered, sometimes he calls the quick bit. Yeah. Even and, that's and then of course. Pers- yeah, and the battery the, and the the. Is the batter going to say, no, no, I was ready? <laughs> what kind of idiot says that? So, take advantage. Now, the problem I had was not the quick pitch call. I defended the umpire on that in that he has he has the, the leeway to make that judgment call. The problem is, later in the game, the umpire called time while the ball was in the air on the way to the plate.
3: <laughs> mm-hmm.
1: What the heck, man? Like... After after the windup starts, technically, umpires are not supposed to call time, but it happens from time to time because communication, there's a little delay. The umpire doesn't move as fast. He's, He's heard the request, and he's thinking about it, and then he realizes the pitcher... Okay, fine. But after that stride has been made, there's no way a batter should get time.
0: Yes, I fully agree.
1: So... I can see where Strowman managed to not get himself thrown out of the game, but he—he he was legitimately asking, if you tell me I pitch too fast, and you—you know, you're in the batter's favor, and then three innings later you tell me that I'm going, I'm waiting too long, and that's also in the batter's favor. What the heck's in my favor?
0: <laughs> yeah, exactly, and, and we should note this too you know, the umpire, we're talking about how it's the umpire's discretion, but he didn't call it until he got a reaction from Cole Calhoun. Mm. So Cole Calhoun very much influenced the call, which, with the next one you're going to talk about, was the same thing. So
1: Interference. I'll confess, I uh, was not awake for the interference play. I only saw various replays and freeze frames and everything else. So, uh, Travis swung through on a throw down to second and hit the catcher with the swing, the the follow through on the bat, which people initially thought was where the interference call came from, uh, to my understanding. But of course, interference of a follow through on the bat when unintentional is just a strike. There's you don't get called and a out dead for ball that. and a dead ball. But upon further review, Travis's foot was actually on the plate, which means he was out of the batter's box, which is where you're not allowed to be when the call is made. But like you said, that was not immediately how it was called.
0: And your foot actually is allowed to be on the plate as long as you're not hitting the ball.
1: But your, right? your safe space is in the batter's box when a throw is being made. So if you right. don't duck and you're completely in the box and he's throwing down to third and you're a right-handed batter, if he if he throws into you, too bad. You were in the box.
0: Right. Now, and in this case... So he swings his follow through, takes him a little off balance, and he ends up with his right foot on the plate. But he still wasn't in the throwing lane.
3: Mm-hmm. And
0: until. <laughs> it, yeah, the, the throw went down. It was a clean throw. There was no issue until it's like, oh, complete. Oh, he was in my way. Oh, you're right. Double play or no, like automatic out. Yeah. And, you know, that stuff just shouldn't be allowed to happen. Either the call is either you make it or you don't. You don't let the other guy determine whether you make the call. Which, Which is, is pretty bad.
1: Yeah, that's where the real problem is. Here is you you can't umpire after some suggestions. <laughs> that's that's why managers go out and always lose the argument, right? You can't make a suggestion and then without consulting with anybody else, just oh yeah, that you probably were right there. I'll uh, I'll change that. Um, yeah, that was some weird weird umpiring. the The worst part is that the baseball rules are a bit nebulous at times. That sentence in in the umpire's judgment comes up, Um, and the if it was deemed intentional is another sentence that comes up more often than not in the rules. (laughs) Uh, These are sentences that don't make anybody happy, in my estimation. Having done a tiny bit of umpiring, telling people that it's your judgment, nobody likes that. Because, of course, their judgment's just as good as yours, as far as they're concerned. Yep. Uh the last play is not really a rules violation but wow someday i bet it will be. Um No way. <laughs> Chris Coglin uh decided that the best place to be was was going over top of Yadi Molina, which is just mind blowing. You can describe this one. Go right ahead.
0: <laughs> oh, it's very easy. If anybody has seen major league 2... <laughs> <laughs> Omar Epps's version of Willie Mays Hayes does the exact same thing to Parkman. But uh, this was, I, I mean, we're going to go over the whole play. Now, okay, you should go read Sam Miller's breakdown of everybody involved in this play because it's fantastic. We'll link it on the podcast page. But anyway, so Pilar hits this ball to right, and it's a catchable ball for Piscotty. So Coglin is holding up at second. Piscotty, he doesn't catch it, hits the wall. Piscotty picked up the ball. Coglin wasn't even at third base yet, and Piscotty was was about halfway to the plate. Luis Rivera, bless his heart, (laughs) (laughs) decides to send him anyway. (laughs) He is the most curious
1: third base coach I've ever seen to keep that job that long. I'm (laughs) mystified by his sends and his stop signs, as are some of the players, if you've not noticed.
0: (laughs) Yeah. But Coughlin's like, okay, well I may as well go. And it's a terrible throw from Biscotti. It's a four hopper about five, six feet up the line. And Coglin still was gonna be out easily. Yep. Instead he he just dives over top of Yadier Molina and lands in a perfect roll on the plate and ends up on his feet. With his helmet hit the plate. Yeah, it did. Weird. <laughs> so It was amazing.
1: In so many ways. It was it went viral. Obviously, if you're a baseball fan, you've probably seen this play. If you haven't, it it'll be easy to find. Um, yep. My heart goes out to Yadi Molina because I I can only imagine. Again, I have not been a catcher, but my thinking is Molina realizes that the throw is bad, but he has to get the baseball. He doesn't have a choice, and he's thinking, okay. I'm in the lane because he's looking at the foul line where the ball is. He, he has <laughs> to know he's right in Coglin's way. Now, the rule with the catcher is he's not allowed to block the baseline unless he's receiving the ball. So he knows there's something is about to happen. I'm sure he can hear people yelling and either Coghlan bearing down on him or Luis Rivera yelling to send him. At that point, There has to be a split second where he thinks he's going to get run over like a freight train is coming in. And he's got his head down because he can't look up because he's got
0: to get the ball. And then nothing happened. You shouldn't feel for him. Then you should be really happy for him (laughs) because Coglin could have killed him. But he's
1: I'm sure his mind was just like, where did he go? (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and, and, and what am Which I
0: way supposed did he
1: go George <laughs> what am I supposed to do do I need to tag him did he did he like he didn't go beside me did he really just go over top of me imagine he stood up at the wrong second coglin would have <laughs> you're right would have destroyed him I the fact that that play worked out the way it did is just as amazing as the fact that it entered Chris's head oh yeah I guess the the best way to go. Is going to be over top of him, and I will land on the plate. Don't worry.
0: <laughs> I just wish afterwards he'd said like, "Hey, Willie Mays, Willie Mays, Hayes did it," so I knew I could. You know, just just he, reference the major League. We know you got the idea from there, Chris. Just he just referenced
1: it in one of the post game interviews.
0: Oh, he did! Oh, amazing! Did. I didn't hear that one. He
1: he said a little. He was like a little Willie Mays Hayes for you.
0: Oh, perfect.
1: Here's another yeah. really weird little tidbit from Coughlin's one of his quotes that I didn't realize. He, people asked him if he planned it. He said, no, I didn't really plan it. He said, but I know about the the rules, and I don't want to see really anybody get hurt because that's horrible for our game. I was on deck when Buster Posey got his leg broken. Huh. I did not know that at all. So Coughlin watched that happen in front of him. I bet that played more than Major League in his brain when he was going to run
0: Molina yeah no kidding
1: so there you huh. go fun facts. We, we got all kinds of fun facts that covers all the weirdness for the week right
0: uh, that's a lot of weirdness so I think it does
1: alright so we're going to leave this and we are going to bring along our special guest Gideon Turk uh, from our Patreon and he is going to get an opportunity to play Swing and a Drive with us in just a second And we are back once again and we have a special opportunity to play Swing and a Drive with a special guest and our special guest joining us is joining us because uh, on our Patreon, one of the donation levels gets you an opportunity to come on and play a game with us. So uh, Gideon Turk joins us tonight. How are you doing, Gideon? I'm great. Thanks. How are you guys? I'm excellent.
0: Oh, Oh, yeah, it's the best thing ever. (laughs)
1: <laughs> so Gideon has, has paid the fee, and uh, as such uh, paid
0: the fee. he does he, he <laughs> not a fee he, he, he donated, and we really appreciate it.:
2: <laughs> I, I did it solely for this. I'm just really looking forward to beating Josh so.
1: Yeah, and I mean, oh. it's easy, because it involves no skill, as we've, we've gone over. For those of you uh, who just started in 2016 to follow the podcast, Swing and a Drive is a game where we play the first half of Buck Martinez calling, what may or may not be a home run, and our contestants have to guess whether, in fact, he's going to finish off with a home run call or something else. And when we play Swing and a Drive, it sounds a little bit like this.
0: Swing and a Drive! It's got to be a home run, right? And a Drive! That's a catch! Swing and it's only a double.
3: And he's going to make the catch that didn't carry.
2: <laughs> Let's face it, we didn't have a clue.
1: Yeah, that pretty much sums it up, doesn't it? <laughs> All right. So uh, the first thing I want to do is uh, we want to just test the audio level here. Uh, Gideon, let me know, can you hear Buck here uh, talking?
3: Pitching coaches, they have wish lists. Perfect. wish for- lists
1: for... They want to accomplish and have their pictures. You he heard that perfectly, right?
2: No problem. As long as I don't, I don't, as long as I don't have to understand him, I'm good. But yep. I did hear him. You can
0: understand talking about wishlessness.
2: He's a great commentator. Always enunciating perfectly and, you know, really gets you into that game.
1: <laughs> so we're going to get things started with clip number one, and I will give you the batter. The batter is uh, Melky Cabrera.
0: The oh! same kind of year. Lots of extra
3: base hits. Deep drive
1: to right. Ooh, deep drive to right. Now, Josh, you played dozens of times, so I'm going to let you take the first one here. Is that deep drive to right a home run, an extra base hit, or an out?
0: I think it's going to be a home run.
1: Josh saith home run. What does Gideon say?
2: I think that's an out. His voice <laughs> was dying a little at the end. <laughs> detected oh, a little he's, something. He's All right. Right. Look, so Gideon's already
0: off on the wrong track, even if he gets this one right, trying to actually analyze Buck's <laughs> call, See what he's saying. All
2: that's, right, true, here. that's true.
1: There we go, part two of Melky. got a good angle on it. He's
2: going to haul it in. Mm. Yes. Okay, there
1: we go. There you go. There you got yourself an out. Very nice. Very nice. So one for Gideon. Which means, of course, you're gonna have to go first on our second clip here. So brace yourself. We have Jose Bautista
3: swinging a drive down the left field line.
1: So I have to include one clip that actually says "swinging a drive" every show, just for tradition's sake. So I'm gonna assume
2: this is pre 2017, which means he hit home runs. (laughs) I'm gonna say this is a home run.
1: All right, Josh, home run, double.
2: Out, I think it's gone.
1: You also think it's gone. All right. It
2: yeah. is
0: gone.
1: It is, run, gone. Ba- it is gone. Everybody gets a point. Congratulations.
0: See, what's funny about that one is Buck has this habit on, on oh, balls hit anywhere close to a fence by Bautista. <gasps> Swing and <run>. <laughs> <laughs> it just He just assumes Bautista hits a home run every at bat.
1: That's how much he loves the man. That's what it's about. <laughs> it's not about the play on the field. It's about love.
2: I mean, it used to be like that. Oh, <laughs> oh man, this <laughs> is the downer swing.
1: <laughs> Help us out. All right, you uh, you can you can believe in whoever you want to believe in. I do not have a Kevin Pilar clip as much as I probably should.
0: Um, we <laughs> we very rare, very no, rare, no. That wouldn't be fair. You, Gideon has every single Kevin Pilar bat memorized, even the flyouts of which there even are the flyouts. Many. As long
2: as he swings, it strikes. <laughs>
1: All right, this is Josh Donaldson. Sixth inning on Friday. He had to face Bautista Donaldson. Five fly ball. That's going to be... Oh, so Josh, it's going to be
2: off the wall. And, yeah, uh, I mean that's that's a standard buck call. I'm going to say off the wall also. All right. Way back and down. Oh. That's There's that Homer horn, yes,
1: that is embarrassing. But the best part about that clip to me is if you listen to it, all is one is how much energy Buck starts with versus finishes with
0: Sixth inning on Friday he had to face Bautista Donaldson
1: like it's like I better make up for all the excitement I missed while that ball was in the air uh obviously a little deceptive one there so it's still two to one for Gideon damn it uh are you ready for the next one
2: i am am i going first now
1: i believe yep. so this is a russell martin play. russell okay. swinging a drive deep to left field Marte. what will... what will Marte do
2: <laughs> um yeah i think he's gonna catch that mm. Uh, well, I got to go
0: different. Otherwise, Gideon can guarantee victory on the next one. So I'm going to say it's a double.
1: All right. So we have a double and we have an out. All right. Actual call. Watch this one go out of
3: the yard. Oh, oh man. For
1: Russell just going to watch it go. What now I've know? lost. Uh, you can tie. You can tie. Uh, what if the
2: smart play for me be to just pick whatever Josh picks here? It that's would why it went
0: different last time. Okay. I, 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 I was have... thinking,
2: like, how am I supposed to guarantee myself victory? But I'm pretty sure that's the, the move right there.
0: Yeah,
2: Screw this guarantee.
0: Okay. I'm going to screw it we, up. We, Don't we play for bragging rights I'm, here. I'm gonna you am going to get them all up. right.
2: I'm, I'm going to mess
1: you up badly.
0: Okay. Josh, you're going first.
3: We're drive deep to center field.
1: All right. So, that's part one. Josh. What are you calling?
0: I'm it? gonna stick... Extra base hit again.
1: Okay, you're saying extra base hit. Gideon, what do you got?
2: I think that's an out.
1: Gideon thinks it's an out, he plays it safe. Okay, I'm gonna give you part two that is not the end of the clip.
2: That's Just not playing it safe, but okay. <laughs> <it is. Just laughs> no, playing it safe would have been to be double, but I like to live. I like it. I like this this fighting spirit.
1: Okay, you ready for part two? I okay. Okay. You can score two points if you change and you're correct. Josh, do you wanna stick with extra base hit? With those extra two on the runs seconds? That doesn't sound right at all. Mm.
0: I'm I'm gonna stick with it.
1: Alright, get in.
2: I'm gonna change to a double. Oh, well, now I guarantee uh, to lose. <laughs>
3: at the base of the wall in assume, headed for
0: second. He's in there with the slide.
1: There you go. Congratulations. If you didn't throw that, if you didn't
0: throw that right cork there. in, I would have tied.
1: Indeed. Indeed. I did. I said screw you up. I didn't say I would actually help anybody win specifically, did I?
2: <laughs> so, Gideon, oh, I'm in your, one, four, two. your first yep. play
1: of swing and a drive, you take down the all time champion. Josh Housem. Uh I feel like this is not going to de- decrease the amount of bragging you do on a regular basis, Josh.
0: Nothing
2: could do that.
1: <laughs> <laughs> uh would you like to hear one more embarrassing Buck clip before we go? Always. Always. Here we go. Here's Buck talking about uh Troy Tulowitzki and some fans.
3: Troy was very accommodating to a group of wheelchair people that were down <laughs> on the field as well. And signed
2: Wow. Yeah, the wheelchair Wheelchair people. I'm pretty sure you guys did a do over when it happened.
1: I see these clips in my file and I have to use them one more time. (laughs) Oh, man. Uh, Well, thank you for your patronage, Mr. Turk.
2: Thank you for having me. Keep up the great work.
1: Uh, It was great fun. Thank you. It was great fun. And uh, we. uh, We will attempt to keep up the great work and uh, hopefully the next person we have on can also embarrass Josh and and beat them at this game or whatever game they choose. it doesn't
2: take much. No. Oh, 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 the trash (laughs) talk has already started. (laughs) Looking forward to my next appearance. See if he can win that time. All Um, right. I doubt it, but we'll we'll see. (laughs) Have a good night, sir. Yeah.
1: Take care. Bye. Oh, yes. I I like when you taste a little bit of defeat.
0: (laughs) You notice how quick he went to the trash talking there, though? (laughs) It's like, oh, well, there there you go, people. If you get on here and you you get the right to just, you get bragging rights for as long until you come back. If you followed
1: Gideon on Twitter, you would know that it's basically a trash talk button that he hits every (laughs) time. It doesn't say tweet. It says trash talk.
0: <laughs> well, it was well earned. He got beat him me for by, and square.
1: Got him blocked by Marcus Stroman. Will it get him blocked by Josh Hausman? We don't know. <laughs> oh, uh, all right. Let's uh, hit the questions, huh?
0: Time
3: now to hear from our listeners. That just seems silly.
1: Here are the rules first I ask a question, then you ask a question.
2: Now, how does that sound, sweetheart? Could you repeat the question, please?
1: All right. So, given that. Uh, the first question that we have here is one you've actually looked up the answer to and I haven't. I'm uh <laughs> gonna <laughs> ask it to you. Uh Bad Jay's Thoughts at Blue Jay Thoughts. I feel like it wasn't originally named Bad Jay Thoughts. Um, what is the Jay's record in one run games from 2015 until
0: today? As you may have guessed, it's really, really bad. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Since we all we ever do is talk about it.
0: Yeah. Including their very good 2015 season, not in one-winning games, the Blue Jays are dead last in baseball. They wow. have a 39 and 60 record, which is a 394 winning percentage.
1: Who is the best? Do you have that on the list?
0: I do. Texas Rangers, 631.
1: Super annoying that team. You know what I would like to say about that though? Not I did not know that Texas Rangers was the right answer for that best, but look how well that did them in the playoffs. Huh? Huh? Eh? <laughs> Look
0: how well well did the Blue Jays? Well, those games against Cleveland. Um,
1: it doesn't matter. It's sad. It's frustrating, but it doesn't
0: matter. Honestly, I don't know. I mean, when it's this, I mean, this has been going on with the Blue Jays for a long time, and at some point, it's not just luck. But what is it when a team is is down
1: eight to five and scores two runs in the bottom of the tenth? It's eight seven. There's your one yeah, I, loss. What does that mean? There's
0: a there's a hundred games in this sample. I mean, that probably happens what in ten of them.
1: I don't know. Why do close games matter more than blowouts?
0: But they don't. But I'm just saying, if you're habitually bad in these coin flip games, there might be a reason for it. Uh, okay. Any theories? No. Yeah, it could be bullpen usage. It could be just bullpen personnel. It could be the the menu, the makeup of your offense if it's an all or nothing offense you're more likely to lose those games because you don't get that you know that stringy hits together kind of thing
1: I feel like the offense might be a better explanation than the um, but again you got a team that scores more runs than yeah, anybody no, no. ever scored ah, it doesn't make any sense uh, all right we're gonna change that to the two two questions that are related
0: <laughs> here I'll read them so you can answer them all right. <laughs> The fun little ones. So the, from, from Connor Moore at the Seahound. If Strowman was the DH on days he didn't pitch, would he create more or less war than Babe Ruth? Would he split time between certain Mitchell in the outfield? And from NG Terrier Blue Jays, Nick, do you see Strowman DHing on days he doesn't start?
1: Uh, I love our listeners. I really do. You people are awesome. Uh you're also out of your minds. Um, <laughs> one double down the line doth not a hitter make, so to speak. I'm I'm glad that Marcus Stroman in extra innings, when we were all apparently completely out of position players, made it count. I'm I'm totally happy about that. I'm especially happy that he did not, I don't know, tweak his back like certain other pitchers have done uh, in recent history. So super cool. I'm 100% in favor of that. Uh, no, Strowman is not better than Babe Ruth. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and as I oh. recall, we have like four guys who are lined up to DH, it seems like any given day anyway. So he's he, he'd be on the line, but but not.
0: Yeah. Not um, near the front. So, one thing I want to know so when he came up to bat, I think it must have been Tap. I think it was Tap. Was like you know, uh, it's Stroman who used to. He played a position in college.
1: Was it shortstop?
0: <laughs> <laughs> Probably. Now he did actually get about two hundred and oh, almost three hundred plate appearances. But he hit two fifty-two with a three twenty-four on base and a three sixty-two slugging in college with metal bats. Him um, having hit doesn't mean anything.
1: No. Means he knows which end to grab. Uh and as I referenced at the beginning of the podcast, it was the end of Kevin Pilar's bat he was grabbing because he knows Kevin is the hottest hitter on the team right now. It's obviously the bats. Yeah. Alright, uh Grumble Pro Grumblepie at free genie underscore s asks weird question, but where has been your favorite place or most memorable place to play baseball? Your I assume this play. is
0: probably more of a me question than yeah. you. So this is actually a reasonably easy one for me to answer. In fall 2002, I played at Roger Dean Stadium, which is the spring facility in Jupiter, Florida. And what made it cool was that the Marlins had just been announced to move in and taking over from the Expos. But they hadn't played a game there yet, so we got to play there before they did.
1: You uh, christened the stadium before they got there. Kind of cool. Uh, I have a favorite place uh, that I've been on the field and it's actually yeah. Labatt Park in London. I don't know. Have you played in Labatt Park? Many times. Very quirky little field. It is It is the oldest continuously used baseball field in North America. Um, it's really weird in that in right field, if you really hit the homer, you're actually hitting it into a river that you can't see because of a line of trees. <laughs> uh in left field, if you really were able to crank one and I've never seen anyone do it, you could theoretically get it onto a street because there is no major barrier to that uh and if you foul the ball back, it's into somebody's backyard and yet it's been used for professional baseball as high as double a
0: It's a great park
1: it it really is sandwiched in, but it is a it's a beautiful little park, not too fancy but very pretty uh last question you want to ask that one.
0: Sure. This is from Minor Leaguer, and his current name is Coglin Leaper. (laughs) (laughs) Rules question. Had Strowman closed out last night's game after pinch hitting, who would be the winning pitcher? Would Strowman get a save?
1: Okay. I was not watching, to be honest, to see how the double switch, or how the switches
0: went. So here's what happened. The score was tied, and Strowman pinch hit for the pitcher. And he scored the go-ahead run. Okay. Now the question is, after having scored that run, if he had instead stayed in the game to pitch, what would happen?
1: So as soon as he pinch hits, he's the pitcher of record. Because he's in the pitcher spot. So he should get the win.
0: So here's the interesting thing here: <clears throat> if it, if a hit, what what happens then? According to this rule, the way you just said it, if a if a hitter pinch hits and then the new pitcher comes in. Does the hitter get the win?
1: Uh, no, because he hasn't thrown no. any pitches.
0: The answer is no. Now, technically, the way the rule is usually inf- really done, Strowman would get a save. But my only actual evidence of this and how this works is from the old MVP 2005 baseball <laughs> game, <laughs> where actually in the situation, if the pitcher pinch hits and stays in the game, he gets the win. All righty. I'm pretty sure that's accurate, though. I think he would have been the winning pitcher because he would have been the player of record when the run scored and then stayed in the game.
1: Right. That that would be the to me. That's the logic. But and I'm just not going to go with the MVP 2005 interpretation of the rules as any kind of <laughs> any kind of uh, gold standard, as it were, for for rules interpretation.
0: That's how uh, I would inflate my players' win totals. I would make I, I my creative player. I would bring myself into pinch to pinch run or pinch hit for the pitcher, score a run, stay in the game for one out and switch out. It's all about those I'm, padded video game <laughs> stats. <laughs>
1: like, what are you doing, man? What is wrong with? You? Okay. well, now we know a little bit more about Josh and his competitive nature. Uh, maybe we'll leave MVP two thousand five there. are you is, is that all our questions? Nothing trickled there. That was all our questions. All right. We're going to go, and uh, we're going to hand out a gold star. I think that's rather brilliant.
3: So I did good, right? I mean, I would have thought you'd get a gold star.
2: You enjoy that. You've earned it. Uh, don't <laughs>
1: ignore the oops. <laughs> uh, gold star. I, have we ever handed out a gold star to an opposing player? I doubt it. I don't think we've done that. We're going to hand out a gold star to Albert Pujols of the Los Angeles Los Angeles Angels of Anaheim for mentoring Devin Travis, which was a super cool story. So around the batting cage, uh, Pujols spots Travis, approaches him, and basically says... I know who you are. I've seen you. I know you're you know you're new to the league. I know you've been scuffling this year. I know you know how to hit. You're going to be a great player. You just keep hustling and you do your best out there. You keep swinging the baseball. He really did not have to do that.
0: Yeah, I mean, and that meant the world to Travis. I mean, this is a guy that is as lock a Hall of Famer as there is in the sport. First ballot, mm-hmm. ninety five plus percent of the ballots, and the only idiots won't vote for Albert Pujols. To, and this is going to the young guy and saying, hey, I know you're good. Like, I'm aware of your talent. I mean, that's got to be the world. I mean, it, and Travis said it did. And then after Travis hit a home run in the next game, Pujols called him over and said, see, told you, just keep playing it and let, let it come to you, which I mean, that that's you really cool.
1: You could see him do it. Pujols came to second base and Travis came to cover second. And like he had Pujols had hit a double and he put his hands on Travis's shoulders right in front of whatever 20,000 people and said, Hey, we're, we're competitors, but we really are doing the same job. Yeah, just that is classy beyond belief. And it gets us a, it gets you a gold star, Albert. Uh, we will print one up for you if you really want. (laughs) (laughs) Though I feel like your $200 million contracts, you probably don't need a gold star from us, but, uh, we do appreciate it. I think when a, when a player, um, who is who is so far above the talent level of the average player, who really doesn't... He's proved everything he needs to prove in baseball, is still thinking about what it is like for another player to start in the game and to have a tough go of it.
0: Yeah. It's just really cool.
1: Yeah. Um. So on that note, I would ask you, do you have a final thought?
0: I do. And it's just that Madison Bumgarner, we didn't do a duo this week, but what an idiot. (laughs) (laughs) I'm sorry. You know, he's driving around in his motorcycle, injures his shoulder, and he's going to be out for two months. So he
1: hurt his ribs, his shoulder, and something else, didn't he? I don't know if there was more in there. But my question really is, on that list of unusual baseball injuries, What does it slot in between for you?
0: Well, here's the thing. If it was just a normal motorcycle, like, okay, fine. But he was dirt biking. It's not the same. (laughs) I should make that clear. So Um, is it
1: above uh, dreaming about spiders and crashing through a plate glass coffee table?
0: (laughs) I still maintain that Glen (laughs) Allen Hill was not sleeping. I think he was just bombed and crashed through a table. But... (laughs) Absent any confirmation of that, that's still the weirdest one.
1: Um we do have Jimmy Key falling off the ladder while painting and hurting his wrist. I remember that one. Uh frostbite. Frostbite? How... Is it about is it worse than frostbite?
0: Okay, frostbite's no frostbite's gotta be up there because it was the trainer who gave Henderson Frostbite. <laughs> <laughs> With an iced pack.
1: They're so bad. You would think that these people had never had any kind of injury at all, but uh before these one, obscure... so those ones were
0: really weird and quirky. This one was just really dumb.
1: All right. So, do you think Madison Bumgarner's next contract has a no dirt biking during the season policy?
0: <laughs> oh yeah, absolutely.
1: Oh my goodness. So I will once again, uh, before we head on out, I will once again reference the Patreon at uh, www.patreon.com/turfpod. Uh, as you know from earlier, you can, with a donation and support, get a chance to come on play a game with us live on the podcast. Um, if you're not into that, there are some other awards and rewards that uh, that you can help improve the podcast with, so go check that out. And then uh, I can say that you have been Joshua Hausam at Joshua Hausam, and I have been uh, Greg Wisniewski at CoolHead2010. And uh, our guest was Gideon Turk at Gideon Turk. And uh, this was Artificial Turf Wars episode number 54. And we will see you again next week.